my internet cord done come loose. Wait, what? We were sitting here mic checking and uh, doing our, we do a little beep to sync this podcast before we start yeah. for people but, who don't you know. know. It's, it's how Thristheart made a thing that beeps with the with the internet time. So yes. that our beeps are in sync, which makes it easy, turns out, for us to sync up the conversation. Oh, yes. Thanks. Thanks to an enterprising member of our community. Uh, anyway, I was tilting my head uh, to hold the phone up to the microphone to beep as we as we always do. You, yeah, you look mystified. The fiber is swaying in the breeze. Oh, no. Have we talked about this before? No. Is it hanging? Like, hold on. Your window looks out on the street, right? Oh, no. This window looks out on the fire escape. Oh. It looks out on the other unit on this floor in this building, which used to be my bedroom. I used to live in the other unit on this floor. I lived in a one bedroom on this floor. Really? Yes. And then at some point, the couple in this two bedroom that we're in vacated. And you just moved down the hall? And I had the easiest moving experience of my life and moved everything about 15 feet down the hall. That's incredible. I had no idea. Yes, but now this office that I do all my work in here looks out on my former bedroom window. Uh, anyway, it's a little like cut out fire escape. There's a full on ladder and everything. The fiber runs into this this room. And it's just loose? It's not like tacked up to the wall or anything? It, it's always been loose. So when Sonic installed the fiber here in 2016, like uh-huh. I was here. Yeah. You know, the guy was just like, hey, what room do you want the fiber to run into? I was like, oh, the office where I work when my computer is would be good. He kind of just threw it over the top of the building. Okay. And it just runs from the roof down the side of two floors from the roof. Yeah. Unattached to anything. How how does that make you feel? Until it terminates in the place where he like ran it through. He drilled a hole in the wall and ran it through. Wow. Anyway. How are you feeling about that? Does that make you feel good or not so much? A couple times I've gone out there. I have these little stick on um, these little stick on like plastic things I got from Monoprice that are Mm -hmm. meant to run a zip tie through. Mm-hmm. It's just an adhesive backing. With yeah, it's a little, like a, a square with a little yes. little notch through the top. Yeah. I've zip tied it to the side of the building with those a couple times, but every time it rains a lot, as it has again recently, those things come right off. Oh boy. You, you know what you need? What's that? Nanotape. Well, so it's a, it's a weird shingled, it's like a, a dappled or ridged kind of shingle oh. siding on the building. So I don't think nanotape would stick very well, but like all your common household adhesive things are also not going to stand up to the elements. You you need one of those 3M goos, like one mm. of the ones that's like a permanent, it's like a gray kind of squishy thing that as soon as it gets exposed to the air, it starts to harden up and you just Ooh. jam it on there. And it's going to glue on forever. Do you think I need to ask the landlord before I do that? He's going to tell you no. Yeah. So I shouldn't ask. This is a forgiveness situation, not a per- permission, I think. I, I think you're right. Or, you know, maybe that, maybe that cable is very resilient. It's very thin. It's a very thin, skinny seemingly brittle cable i mean it's fiber of course it's brittle i don't like i don't like i don't like my internet flying around in the wind i mean the scary thing about this seems like if there's roofers or something that come in to work on something else unrelated to the fiber they could very easily be the the modern equivalent of a backhoe on the may west pipeline shut may east pipeline shutting down internet for two-thirds of the country yeah yeah this is a precarious situation actually thinking back to the install the day he got here I had to wait like, I don't know, a month or something. Those were fiber. Fiber was new in the city at that time. Yeah, it was. You, you were you the remember. first person I knew with fiber. I think you remember when I got fiber, how excited it, I was. It was, it was a like I am. I, I, I was like, hey, can I come over to your house and try it? And you were like, no, you can't come over. I'm sorry. That did not happen for the record. Yeah, no, that did that. No, we I didn't ask. You didn't deny. That, just that for conversation never took place. Um, <laughs> the day the day he installed it, I had to wait like a month. And I was actually about to go out of the country then for like like two days later. Is this a giant bomb already or was this before that? Yeah, this is 2016. Okay. So not only was I about to leave the country for a, a week, 
so the detail I left out, they were repaving the street that day <laughs> and they were literally at the end of the block, like we're about to start working their way up. And he was like, hey, by the way, I just talked to these road guys like they say I have to be out of here in like 90 minutes. Oh, wow. And if I don't get this done before they tell me I have to leave, you have to go to the back of the queue for installs. What? He couldn't just park on another block, which is like several months long at this point. I think yeah, he I think his truck had one of those like the extending arm. Oh, he had a little, bucket or something. Yeah, because he had to go up to the pole. Got it. He wasn't just using ladders. Yes, oh, yes. wow. He needed his truck to do the install. Um, And essentially Man. he was like, hey, if I don't get this installed in the next hour or so, you're going to have to wait another three or four months for this. So it's like, please do what you can to get this done. Yeah, go as fast as you can, man. So I'll stay out of your way and tipped him heavily. Uh, but I think that may be why the line is unsecured on top of the building. I feel like I feel like having a real time pressure on that is going to add add some tension and stress yeah. that is not necessary. Uh, you know, but it was very exciting when he he came in and he was just like, all right, you're good to go. But now I have this situation. You could just tack it on there. Wait until the landlord's out. Just stick a thumbtack through some, it. Get some nail. No, don't stick it. I'm, no, I'm you joking. Get, you I'm get joking. the little loops. You get the, the half loops with the nail on the side. Just bop, bop, bop. Three of them mm. in. You're good to go. That's how they did my fiber to the wall. I don't know what the siding is made out of, but sticking nails in it seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it's probably fine. Like, like what's the worst that could happen? Some Looney Tunes nonsense where like the coyote gets the fiber hooked up to, his, to him as he runs away and like pulls everybody on the streets fiber out of their houses. Oh my God, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be right back. Welcome to Brad and Will Made a Tech Pod. I'm Will. I'm Brad. It is uh, a rainy Saturday here in yeah. the Bay Area. It is. Man, it's been pouring. I think I'm done. I think I like having spent some time in the desert in the summer and seen what real storms are like there. I don't really like that, but I do like being warm. It turns out warm is nice. I don't I don't think I, I, I think I'm tired of living someplace where it's this kind of miserable and wet all the time. Mm, well, not all the time. Let's be. Let's be specific here. Only eight months a year. It's it's we're in the rainy season right now. You know, what? It frankly, is, I'm happy yeah. the rainy season is back because we didn't have it for some years. Look, this is a hot take. I don't know that I'm as big a fan of the rainy season as you are, Brad. Well, I don't know if I'd say I'm a fan of it, but it's a necessary evil. Look, I, I mean, like the state not burning and I like having water. Not so much a fan of the of the 90 days of rain or whatever yeah, it is we're yeah, in yeah. right now. I mean, you, you know what I like, though, is all the parks around here are absolutely gorgeous after this much rain because they're usually brown and dead and desiccated. Have you gone walking in one, though? Because my oh, front, yeah. if they're like my backyard and front yard. They're like two inches deep of mud right now. So, uh, well, I mean, once it dries, you know, give yeah. it a few days. But like I just I walked by Golden Gate Park the other day and it is a, an explosion of green right now. I had to wheel my trash cans back in last night after another inch of rain. And I, I was like, I think I have to lift up the cans so they don't dig ruts in my yard. And like, anyway, this might, this might be one of those cases Ugh. where not being a homeowner makes this a little more palatable. Yeah. Like there's a lot, like just, there's a lot of stress that comes with like, it's just to be clear, we're not talking about like baby rain sprinkles or anything like that. We're getting like one or two inches of rain of rain per storm, yeah. which sometimes is like a day. Sometimes it's like three, sometimes it's up to four inches. I think this next one is supposed to be worse than the last one. 
Yeah, so it's, it's like it's going to rain it, like all week. I think I just saw, isn't it here? Yeah. And most of the dirt here does not absorb water at that, like that kind of water. Like we have, we have like my house is on basically clay. So it, it absorbs for a little bit and then it just gets saturated and everything turns into a swamp. So it's, 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 a, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is. But uh, at least, the, at least theoretically, maybe the state won't burn again this fall. So that's good. Yes. Uh, let's, uh, hang on. I got a segue. You know what else is a lot? <laughs> a PC game settings. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we had a discord user OS to X or OS 10. You think OS, it's, it's capital O lowercase S X. Is that Oz X? So yeah, you could, you could actually be meant to pronounce that phonetically. I certainly, I miss the days when we got to say OS 10. I hate, I hate this transition to back to Mac OS. You just bring that, bring that energy over to 10, the successor to Twitter. God damn it. Um, OSX said, I would love an episode about tuning PC games, advanced set graphic settings. Some sample topics that come to mind are DLSS 2 and 3, FSR 1, 2, and 3, XESS. What does the sharpness slider do under these options? Do I need to manually lower the in-game resolution for them to upscale correctly? What is SSAO? How do various variable refresh rate technologies interact with VSync? And do I need to turn it off, VSync, I assume, in each game? How can I verify it's working? What if I have multiple monitors? This is a good question, it yes. turns out. Well, OSX, I'm glad you asked. We um we have been digging in and and I've done, we've done a lot of reading. I'm yeah. going to say and watching videos and and a lot of stuff. Turns out, PC game settings kind of complicated most yeah. of the time. Yeah, yeah, but but knowable. I would say they're not they're not they're not so arcane that we can't unpack them with a little research. Yeah, and and I mean the thing to remember in like we like to peel the onion here and start with the easy part first and go to the complicated stuff later. Is that if you don't really care all that much, you can just load up the GeForce Experience or Radeon settings app on your computer and hit the button that says make this pretty good. Like hit the optimize button. Yeah. And and it'll it'll give you like it'll usually what they do is they they use the profiling data that they have from testing games to um to look at what the hardware is in your system and they find a spec a comp the closest comp in their database and then they put you settings that'll that'll hit run you at 60 frames a second. It is the general guideline. Um, so I do that for almost everything uh, except for competitive shooters and stuff with lots of ray tracing settings. See, this is the difference between you and me. <laughs> Look, I have a kid and like two and a half jobs. I don't have time to yeah. dink around. If I want to ever play games, I have to just get into it. I get it. Yes. I mean, I also have like two and a half jobs. I don't have a kid, though, to be fair, but um, I don't install GeForce Experience. Why not, Brad? I I just don't feel like I need it. Well, actually, to be to be more specific, there are too many other overlays already, and I I, mean, I know you can disable parts. I just of turn it, off the overlay. Yeah, yeah. Like I I know you can turn parts of that off, but like there's all there's already the Steam overlay. There's already Game Bar. I wish you could turn off Game Bar. I, game Bar is way better than it used to be. Have you used it lately? Yeah, the the little I've used the, when I, when we were doing profiling stuff on the Anacrusis, I used it because that overlay with the frame rate data was pretty useful. Yeah, the, the thing, honestly, the thing I like about GeForce Experience, and sometimes if I'm troubleshooting perf stuff, I will turn on the overlay because they have the one percent frame rate. The the, oh. the they met they report the the frames per second of the slowest 1% of frames in real time, they in track real time, the 1% lows. That's, yeah. that's pretty useful, which is maybe the most useful, like real time feature ever. It lets you know when you're having bad stutter anyway. Sure. The point is 
if you don't care about this stuff, you can just skip this entire episode, basically, and mash the optimize button <laughs> yes. in Radeon settings or GeForce experience yeah, and, and get um, something that's pretty good. Uh, Intel has been leaning in this direction more, too, lately. I'm not sure what they've got for their ARC cards for their for their GPU stuff, but they rolled out a tool for their CPUs. What is it? The name is escaping me. I, it's, it's more for tuning CPU stuff, I want to say. I don't want to have to tune CPU stuff too, Brad. I just want to like start the game and play the game and not think about this stuff. That's my dream. Uh, application optimizer, I believe is the name of it. Ah. I was trying to figure out what the P stood for, but it's one of those things where the A and the P came from the same word. Oh, uh, anyway, this is getting a little tangential to the actual topic of this episode, but like CPU tweaking has gotten really interesting. I don't know if you've paid much attention to what Intel named you're both doing where they both have ways of identifying like which cores are the good cores on your specific chip. Yeah. You know, cause just straight up variants in manufacturing, like Silicon lottery style, everybody's cores are going to be of different quality. So it'll like actually tell you like, okay, these are the cores on your CPU that actually run the fastest and it will, will bias toward those type stuff. Maybe I need to do run that on my computer. Cause I have to clock down to 52 X on my 13900 K to get Fortnite to not crash on launch basically because of the, the memory corruption stuff anyway. So I'll say real quick before we move back to graphics um, at launch APO was just for 14th gen. Okay. Uh, but this headline I have just pulled from two weeks ago makes it sound like they are going to roll, roll it back, roll it back at least, at least to some extent to 12th and 13th. Gen. Uh, that seems fair since it's the same socket anyway. Yes. Um, so yeah, the, 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 but from here on, we're going to go down, like, we're going to answer these questions from OSX uh, uh, or OSX. Yeah. Uh, we also uh, went through and pulled some screenshots from uh, like current games, Cyberpunk, Alan Wake, Fortnite. Yeah. Um, the Prince of Persia ones were comically thin. I, I think I think there's a couple others in there. but And we'll kind of go down the settings and explain what is the perf, like, what, what stuff is going to really hit your perf, what stuff doesn't matter as much, and uh, explain what some of the stuff means. Yes. Yeah, I, I threw Baldur's Gate 3 in there Ooh, as well. Nice, I didn't and, see that. And the, and the finals uh, and stuff. Ooh. There's a bunch in there. But um, we will, uh, I will, people seem to like it a couple weeks ago when we published uh, the Google Doc that we used for notes for the show. Yeah. Uh, so I will do that again. We have all those images embedded in there. I hate the way the Google Docs handles image embeds, which is to say that it's kind of hard. It's not, it's not easy to get the full size version of the images out. Okay, hold down control uh, and then mouse forward, mouse wheel forward, oh, yeah, and then yeah. take a, take a screenshot of the document. That's how you get, yes. that's how you get it out of there. Yes. Well, so, um, actually have you ever used this, uh, this Google docs, like published to web feature? It's really nice. That's what I used when oh. we did this a couple weeks ago. And it when just you, makes an HTML, like yeah, a HTML you, with an image folder or something. Yes. Yes. When nice. you go to share now, there's an option instead of like sharing a link to the doc, you can hit publish to web and it'll just, yeah, like you said, where'd you put it? Uh, it, it generates a link. Although you can, oh, I should, okay. I should probably make a short URL. What's your favorite URL shortener these days? Uh, content.town. Oh, huh. I haven't actually done it yet, but I've been, uh, I've been looking at things I can put on there that will generate short URLs. That would be cool. We should do that. Yeah, um, that would be a good one. Anyway. So, I mean, you, you can scale that, that HTML based version that we will link in the show notes as well to see the screenshots. It's a little hard to read a lot of the settings at the default image size, but yeah. Uh, um, the, or you the, can zoom in also if you don't care. Well, that's what I mean. The, con the control mouse wheel up and down tip applies there as yeah. well. Um, so let's so let's get into it. The first thing, the the big one these days, this is a hot button topic that everybody cares about because the graphics vendors are in a full ass war over super sampling these mm -hmm. days. Yeah. Um, super sampling is the idea that you take uh, 
it used to be the idea that you render, take a, a, the resolution that you're running and then you render it up at like, instead of, so say you want to run at 1080p, you used to run it at, at 4k and then you'd take each four, every four pixels on, on the, on the, the 4k version would get combined, like mathematically averaged and you'd get a 1080p image that, that has like smoother edges and all the kind of benefits of super sampling. It's not what we, that's not what it does anymore. It turns out. Yeah, you would do that in games where you had a lot of headroom to spare, like Destiny 2, for example. You could you could do that on like a 1080 even in a game as it's not old, but, you know, it's it's a bit older. Well, uh, it, it's and, and lightweight enough that, yeah, you and, and that obviously that results in a much cleaner image. But also, yeah, now that you mention it, that is what super sampling used to mean. I don't know that I don't know that technically what we're doing now, which is the reverse direction, still counts as super sampling, well, but whatever. So the, the thing that the reason they call it super sampling is because what they're doing is they're generating the four pixels with machine learning now and, yeah, and fair, fair. and then dividing and then combining them without doing the upsize render. Anyway, uh, the thing that the thing that they use this stuff for DLSS, these this is DLF, DLSS and FSR and XESS on NVIDIA, AMD, and Intel, respectively. Yes. And and the thing that they do is they're using these to upscale in a way that doesn't uh, that adds more information than you would get with just straight upscaling. Um, so you so you can basically render the game at a lower resolution, upscale it using these technologies, and then get the benefit of the higher resolution, most of the benefit of the higher resolution at the frame rate of the lower resolution. Yes. And this is <clears throat> excuse me, this this is the prototypical example of the good use of AI or machine learning yeah. that I've talked about recently, where it's this is a signal processing kind of AI where you're taking an input and doing something to it that you couldn't do as well without the AI. Like this is this is the good type of AI usage, not the not not the generative. Not the gen- well, it's generative, but it's not bad well, generative. Yeah, well, kind, yes. It's not yes, infringy right. generative. Yes, you're, you're right. It is technically under the hood. It is generating new imagery, but but that's it's trained off of the data set it's trained off of is just footage of games or, you know, data yeah. from games yeah. that are running. It's kind of a different thing. Um, so the upshot is uh, that that there's three different there are three vendors. There's, ah, there's three vendor supported options. Mm hmm. DLSS is NVIDIA's, XESS is Intel's, and and uh, FSR is AMD's. Generally speaking, you're better off using the one that goes with your card if that's an option. So if you yeah. have an NVIDIA card, use DLSS. If you have an AMD card, use FSR. If you have an Intel card, use use XESS. Um, the the reason for that is that on the ones that are ML accelerated, that use the de- that are that are, DLSS and XESS use the dedicated machine learning acceleration hardware on those cards. So that means they don't take resources away from the graphics rendering as much as, say, say, like running a compute shader would. Right. Um, it doesn't seem like that impacts XE, uh, uh, FSR as much because it just uses compute shaders on all hardware. Yeah. Which is, AMD tends to like like platform agnostic uh, uh, features, which I, I appreciate. But there is a negative. The negative is that you're taking resources away from the game if the game is trying to use the same compute shaders. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's why they've been out there kind of ballyhooing like, hey, FSR works on all hardware. It's because it runs in a generic enough way that, yes, when pretty much what you just said. Um, it sounds like FSR three, which is not that old, might it's, have some very like light hooks into machine learning. Well, uh, from from what I've looked around at, but but I think the bigger point is that like AMD's machine learning hardware efforts are just kind of behind. They they have not done a bunch of platform or vendor specific stuff. It seems like yeah yeah I think uh, like their I think their acquisition of Xilinx several years ago is what was intended to address their 
they're they're being behind in the AI race. So, and in fact, I think they've made a bunch of announcements about like the next Ryzen's and the next everything they're doing is going to have a bunch of uh, a bunch of AI hardware in it, but they're not quite there yet. Intel seems like they're pretty well on the path, though. Yeah. So, so anyway, the upshot is use the one that you have. If you don't have one, um, I think uh, FSR two and three are uh, two is a subset of three. So two does the 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 basically four xing of resolutions in the same way that DLSS does. Um, one FSR one it has terrible image quality problems, and I don't think anybody should use it in any circumstances. They did some weird stuff that just didn't work particularly well. Um, two is much better. It's uh, they as with all almost all of these things, when you look at like the Digital Foundry, like uh, comparison in games that support both, they both fail in different ways, <laughs> both fail in interesting ways that you're probably not going to notice in an actual game. So, for example, DLSS is better at pulling overlay stuff like text rendered on the on the on the game world um, fire like the kind of uh, 2D textures that make up most fire VFX, stuff like that. Um, it does a little bit better with that. FSR does better with some other stuff. So so like, you know, generally speaking, use the one that your hardware supports. You, NVIDIA, it's worth mentioning, DLSS, DLSS only works on NVIDIA hardware. Yeah. So. Um, and it's gotten very good also, we should say, as of like DLSS 3.5, it is extremely capable. Yeah, they they do. They do. I mean, I I don't I can't speak as much to the AMD stuff because we didn't support FSR on Anacrusis. But with DLSS, they look at what you implement and they're like, hey, we noticed some ghosting here or something like that. And they'll say, you know, if you if your hair is ghosting, if your hair is rendered in this way, you might want to use this version of the model instead of this version of the model. And they'll even bake stuff out special for you if, if you need if you need a little bit of extra help. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've gotten to the point. I think, I think we, we talked about this before we recorded. Like I pretty much always turn it on, even if it's a game that I am quite sure I could run at native res just fine. Yeah. So I have a 360 hertz display, so I always have it turned oh, on. Yeah, I definitely have to. Uh, well, uh, but also I often don't run games at the full frame rate because it's it's nice to have it running slower so it doesn't spin up all the fans in the computer. Sure. Um. Anyway, so. The the two things that happened recently are with DLSS 3.5 and DLS and FSR 3, there's frame generation. So three FSR 3 is a superset of two. It's basically two plus frame generation. DLSS 3.5 is is three with frame generation. Um, I think the DLSS 3 stuff only works three and newer only works on the ADA 4000 series cards. I think that's right. Yes, I believe frame generation only runs on. So I think I think frame generation was part of 3.0. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, it was, but and the 3.5 stuff adds the path tracing and all that stuff. Yeah, for ray tracing, ray reconstruction, ray, and all ray, that yeah, stuff. Ray reconstruction. Okay. So this is where it gets complicated. Cause if you have a two series card or a three series card from NVIDIA, you might want the frame generation that comes with FSR three, which is not supported on your card on, on the DLSS side. Um, the, the weird thing about frame generation is you want to have on both sides, a 60 frame per second render after the upscaling. So after the DLSS two and, and FSR two stuff happens before you start doing the frame generation, because otherwise you get some weird artifacting that, that is pretty noticeable in my experience. So this isn't going to, it will, it can effectively double your frame rate (laughs) in some cases, but you have to already be running at 60 frames per second 
in order for that to work. So you're this is this is basically for getting high refresh rates on high res monitors on lower spec cards. Yeah. Um, do you do you do you use frame generation as a matter of course very much? So I was gonna say the problem with frame generation is that it increases input latency. Yeah, that's that's my question because I've only used it enough to like try it, you know, just five minutes at a time in different games. Like I don't I don't I haven't used it to actually like seriously play a game. And so I wonder what the perceptual effect is over time if you get used to it or not and also what what how bad the latency actually is so digital uh digital foundry did a um did a did a a thing about this earlier last year i guess like mid last year when this stuff was new and and they're they're the 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 way that both amd and nvidia uh try to counter the the latency the 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 basically input to pixel lag is what we're talking about the time between you make make your input choice and the the change registers on screen so for example pulling a trigger and the gun shooting um it, they they use nvidia uses reflex uh amd uses a thing called anti lag that are basically the same thing that 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 basically they work they queue frames so that you don't render too many frames in advance which helps minimize that lag now with those technologies on with reflex on and with anti-lag on it's pretty minimal it's like 17 17 milliseconds so it's almost negligible pretty much impossible to detect for most people i don't use frame i wouldn't use frame generation in anything that's that's competitive um i probably also wouldn't use frame generation if i'm playing on mouse and keyboard in my experience so like when i was playing cyberpunk on mouse and keyboard didn't feel great when i was playing cyberpunk on the gamepad didn't notice a difference so you know, the kind of fiddliness of the, the, the direct, my expectation with a mouse is that there's, you know, pixel to pixel, uh, precision on a mouse movement. And on the gamepad, I'm used to it feeling a little floatier, which didn't, didn't really impact my experience much. Um, so, so that's, that's the deal. That's the super sampling. Like that's it. Super sampling is going to make your performance better. It, it's, it's, it's a weird choice for a name because super sampling used to make your games run slow as hell. So, um, I, I generally, if I'm playing at 1080p and I'm playing a multiplayer game, I set it to the performance mode. We should explain what this means. Um, so I assume that that's a question from OS X here. I, I assume by slider, they're referring to the, and I th- actually, I think some games do depict it as a slider, the deal, like for example, the DLSS presets, the kind of named presets, like quality, balance, performance, ultra performance what does it mean and those 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 presets are actually defined by nvidia they ask you to when you set up your your settings in your game they ask you to make sure that they align with what their what their ex, what players expectations are so that they're the same across the board yeah so 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 those basically have specific meanings for what size of image is being rendered under the hood before it is then upsampled to your output resolution yeah. for example 4k yeah so on ultra performance you're upscaling from 7 if assuming you're running at 4k Ultra performance, you're upscaling from 720p to 4K, which means you're rendering 11% of the pixels on the screen for real and then making the other 90, 89% from with DLSS. Yeah. And in, in my experience, if you tried ultra performance, you can see that. Yeah. Ultra performance usually feels pretty muddy. As, as you can imagine, with with barely, uh, barely over a tenth of the actual pixel data to work from, like you're, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, a performance mode is upscaling from 1080p to, to 4K, which means you're rendering 25% of the pixels and, and generating the other 75%. Uh, and uh, balanced is from 1253p, which I didn't actually put in the spreadsheet, so I don't know what the percentage is. Uh, 33%, um, I believe. That seems right. Split the difference. And then uh, quality, 
is 44% of pixels. It's rendering from 1440p up to up to 4K. Yes. Um, or, or, you know, an easy, maybe an easier way to think about that is, again, this is all assuming you're outputting a 4K. This is all this is all trickles down from what output resolution you're. Yeah, you're, you're talking about. But at 4K, uh, for example, quality means you're doing a 1440p under the hood. Yeah. Or uh, da, 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 performance, I believe. Yeah. Performance is the one that would be t- uh, 1080p. And I don't I don't have the settings for 1080p or 1440p in front of you, but I believe that the resolutions I don't I don't believe it's the same percentages across the board. Oh, I thought the percentages were fixed. I think that's right. Yeah, because like the, the, the whole Alan Wake 2 controversy, the thing you saw people screaming about was that they said at uh, at 1080p performance dlss performance you would get blah 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 30 frames or whatever it was right that's where that's where you saw a bajillion people running around screaming like oh so you can only render at 540p what the hell so oh, that, would, that would make I, sense yeah so i think i think i think uh the, the percentages, percentages are, the same. are fixed on on these presets and that's all just dlss obviously intel and amd are going to have uh, different 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 things going on yeah the, the, the thing i'll say is as a 1080p player Ultra performance always looks real bad. And I assume it's because you're starting with like like 1990s resolutions and and going up from there. Yeah. Um, quality on, at 1080p is is great. I, I run quality a lot. Anyway, um, let's see. One of the other questions from OSX was, do you do I need to manually lower the in-game resolution for them to upscale? No, you set the resolution that you want. Generally, you should set the resolution for what your monitor is hard, hard, like the resolution of your monitor. Yeah, native. Native. Um, and as as you said a minute ago, Brad, a lot of games will actually show you what the internal rendering res is. Um, it's, it's, I think XESS lets you set the internal rendering resolution rather than a quality profiler percentage. Oh, interesting. Um, that might be something that is a per game setting, though, because I've seen it both ways, I think, on XESS. Okay. So even for DLSS, I'll just mention Alan Wake 2 is, is an outlier here where they don't mm-hmm. use the names. Uh, of those presets Whoa. they just they just show they let you pick the internal render resolution okay but without the game running in front of me i can't say for sure but i th- I think i think all you're doing is picking those resolutions that would correspond to those presets to begin with um so that is a case where yeah the answer in this one specific case the answer is yes you do have to pick the render resolution in alan wake 2 but again that's i think it's just got it's, it it's just mapping to those presets without them using the names of the presets anyway that makes sense. short long story short also Sorry, I forgot to mention a lot of at least with DLSS, a lot of um, the preset selection now just lets you just set it to auto, which I assume is just oh, is just targeting some performance target and it maybe is adjusting it on the fly to try to maintain frame rate. Um, that would make sense, I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the next one is screen space is SSAO. What is SSAO? It stands for Screen Space Ambient Occlusion. Yes. Um, and it's a post, it's a post process effect. So it happens after the scene's been rendered and it adds, um, things like reflections and, uh, 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 shadows, fuzzy shadows around the edges of things. Yeah. So yeah. Ambient occlusion basically is just a bunch of fine shadowing in nooks and crannies, uh, anywhere that like the ambient light would, would be occluded by objects, you know? So if you got like a bench or whatever, there should be little bits of shadow right behind where the, the seat and the railing and stuff would be occluding the light. Um, screen space effects, like you mentioned, like ambient occlusion and, and reflection, uh, reflections rely on data that is being generated as a part of rendering what's already in frame. Yeah. So if you've, if you ever played a game where you like sweep the camera around and you've got something like a big pond or like glass that's reflecting stuff, 
And as the thing that's being reflected moves out of frame, you see those reflections vanishing at the same time. That's that's a screen space effect that that is that is essentially like the engine no longer has the data it needs to render those reflections because it's not rendering the source objects in the first place. It's all just like a shortcut, like the screen space effects are just a shortcut to use data that already exists uh, per frame to create additional effects without because otherwise it would be like way, way, way too computationally expensive to calculate those from scratch. So sometimes you over render the the actual um you over render the actual screen space. So the actual thing that's being rendered is larger than it's actually being shown. Sure. So that you avoid that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you see it more on consoles where they don't have as much performance headroom to work with. Yeah, and and um the neat thing about ambient occlusion is it's way cheaper than doing it for real. Like this is this is a lot of the most of what we're talking about today applies to raster games. So games that use a traditional, like, Hey, we're going to draw a bunch of textures mapped over wireframes. And then we're going to put some other textures that are serving as light maps that indicate the light in the dark areas. Then we're going to put some other textures that indicate like whether the surface is bumpy or smooth and and all this stuff. We're going to talk about ray tracing a little bit and it changes. Like right now we're using mostly kind of combined raster and ray tracing games. It is still the ray tracing is changing basically everything that we're talking about here because like yeah. SSAO doesn't apply for ray tracing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Am- ambient occlusion and um, reflections are two places where you don't need the screen space versions of those effects anymore because ray tracing just does those inherently. Yeah, and and it's also worth saying SSAO is memory intense and expensive. Yes. Uh, so like if you're having perf problems, it's a it's not a terrible thing to turn down. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I actually let me let me uh, add add on to what I just said. That, that's in like a full path tracing kind of scenario. You get all that stuff like there, there yeah. are a lot of games that use ray tracing in more limited ways that would not cover those use cases. Yeah. Um, OK, so the next thing is variable refresh rate. This is confusing. This was confusing even for us as we were researching this episode. Yeah, I learned uh, stuff today. Yes. When I when I built this machine last year, I, I had figured this out years ago and then promptly forgot it, as you often do when you figure out obscure settings and set them once. Right. But it's good. To, That's good. Good for your brain to just let that stuff fall away. Yeah. It'll, it'll change before the next time you need it. Probably but the, the one thing I can say is definitely don't ever document anything you do. No, no. Why would I do documentations for chumps is my understanding. What would that accomplish? But anyway, so this is relatively fresh in mind because I had to figure this stuff out again last year. This is only relevant for, for NVIDIA because it's what I've been using for years. I can't speak to AMD and Intel here, but but the question is, um, okay, so it's how do variable refresh rate technologies interact with VSync? The first question, do I need to turn it off in each game? The thing, sorry. I, so, I was going to say, just generally speaking, Blurbusters is a great resource for this because they do a ton of like hands-on research and aim high-speed cameras at monitors and do all sorts of crazy stuff with all the available hardware. So if you if you have questions about a setup that we aren't going to talk about here today, Blurbusters is the is the is the number one resource, I think. Yeah. Um so the the combo of settings I have found on NVIDIA that will consistently get variable refresh to work is in the NVIDIA control panel. Uh, you want to turn on G-Sync. So, okay, so there's a setting under 3D settings called monitor technology, which will say G-Sync or G-Sync compatible. If you don't have an actual G-Sync monitor, if it's like a free sync monitor, it'll say compatible. Yeah. At any rate, you want to turn on the adaptive, adaptive refresh technology under monitor technology. And then you want to force V-Sync to on in the driver control panel. And then thereafter, you always want to turn V-Sync off in every game that you're playing. Yeah. Because then, then you're having the the driver use its global. You know, it's it's overriding the game's behavior with the uh, global 
driver vsync and that's the only way i found to very consistently get variable refresh to work in everything this is one of the benefits of using geforce experience for this stuff is it just does this and you don't have to worry about it uh-huh. uh in the in games okay well um, i only had to worry about it until i figured it out oh yeah no no but i mean you I, you don't have to go into each game setting yeah, and change yeah. this oh, right to turn off vsync sure. yeah to turn off vsync um yeah. the the blurbuster's explanation of this is that the g-sync's ability to fall back on a fixed refresh rate vsync behavior changed in 2015 when they exposed the option to to do this um right now because you see both people think that g-sync and v-sync are separate options but when g-sync is enabled in the control panel the vertical sync option in the control panel no longer acts as v-sync and actually dictates whether whether the g-sync module compensates for frame rate variances by the system which prevents tearing uh and that's if g-sync and v-sync are if G-Sync is on and V-Sync is off, this is really confusing. This is a lot. Um, I, th- I think what you're saying, I mean, this, this is just arbitrary NVIDIA driver behavior, right? Like that you, you need V-Sync on, but then once you enable G-Sync, then it's going to use G-Sync as V-Sync is what well, you're saying. But, but yeah, with V-Sync on, in order, it, no, it has to also has to do with the fallback for when you get outside the range where V-Sync matters. Right, yes. So once you're, once you're, once your G-Sync is what G-Sync is really for is when you're running at less than the refresh rate of the monitor, right? right? Um, and so, uh, like, it, basically, the upshot is if you turn G-Sync on and you turn V-Sync on, the driver just handles and you don't have to worry about all the yes. all the other nonsense. Yes. Um, the other part of this is that if your game has a frame limit and your game consistently runs above the refresh rate of your monitor, you want to set the frame limit to just below the the actual frame rate of the 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 refresh rate of the monitor yes um to reduce tearing to make sure tearing never happens yes. and it's like three to five frames a second usually yeah for for, yeah. for example I, I have 144 hertz monitor and i said i said a 140 fps cap in my drivers yeah driver well, you can also do that in the game as well if that's sure. an option um the other thing is that nvidia added a new fast vsync option between the time the blurbusters article about gsync and vsync was written and now and you only want to use that if your frame rate is 2x your refresh rate or more, and you're probably not using G-Sync monitors. So generally speaking, if you have a G-Sync monitor, you do not turn on fast V-Sync. If you don't have a V-Sync monitor, a G-Sync monitor, and you're running... So if you have a 60 hertz non-variable refresh rate monitor, and your games are running at more than 2x your refresh rate of your monitor, turning on the fast one will give you benefits. I can't imagine that there's a lot of people in that situation that don't have G-Sync monitors or FreeSync monitors at this point. That's almost certainly the case. Brad, how can you tell if this is working? Yeah, next question. How can I verify it's working? Your monitor's on-screen display um, should show you in real time the the sync rate fluctuating up and down. I I can't imagine there is a monitor that has adaptive refresh that doesn't show it there, right? Uh, Mine does. Yeah, mine, my 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 uh, Asus monitors do. My TV does. Like I think just about everything that does some form of variable refresh will just show you in the in the d- display settings uh, what it what it is at any given moment. I even have a little like thing that I can put the number in the top right corner if I really want to if I really want to like feel inadequate or excited about my frame rate depending on how things are going. Ooh, I might I might have to look for that. Well, one of the other questions is what if you have multiple monitors? So from a frame rate perspective, Windows 11 and I think 10. Both treat uh, can can run multiple monitors at independent resolutions and refresh rates with no problem. So, like my main monitor is running at 360 hertz, my top monitor is running at 60 hertz, my right monitor is running at 60 hertz, no problem. Um, if you're like say using a two PC streaming setup, you can even mirror 
as long as you mirror them in the right order and have the refresh rate set before you do the mirroring, you can set your main monitor to run at the video game resolution, like the 144, 360 hertz, whatever. And the capture card will still run at 16. It'll just take every X frames uh, to send to the capture card. So that, that stuff works great. Um, the weird thing is that multiple monitors in the past has really impacted performance in the pre windows eight days, like windows seven, like the, the last, uh, generation of desktop window manager and early, early stuff that started with Vista and got better gradually over time. Uh, there was a major performance hit when you're running full screen games and you had stuff running on other monitors. Uh, it's, it's less of an issue with windows 10 and 11. Uh, Linus Tech Tips did a um, a video that where they tested uh, up to I think four monitors with videos running full screen on the other monitors while you played a game, which showed that there was some impact. But I think realistically, nobody's going to be watching four videos at once. You're more much more likely to just have like one one video and then some text, like a guide or something like that. You know, like just static text, basically, and maybe maybe images. Um, if you are concerned about it and if you're in perf issues, you can use win plus P to, to turn off your secondary monitors uh, when you're playing games really easily. Yeah. Or, or just hit the power switch. Uh, also, we should talk about game mode on windows 11. There is a game mode setting that it is on by default. Most people don't ever have to change it. It's worth checking. You can open the settings panel and just type game mode and it'll pop up. And basically what it does is it, it like does some, pain in the ass stuff like turns off notifications while you're playing games. But the big one is that it, uh, it lets the window manager know that you play games on this computer. So it handles full screen games a little bit differently. Sometimes another thing to know about here is, uh, is full screen versus borderless window or, or windowed if you really want to play in a window, but who does only weirdos play in windows, uh, unless it's like vampire survivors or something, maybe, but, um, I'm judging them too. Uh, as, as the name implies, borderless windowed means you're technically actually still playing in a window. It just is showing, you know, it's displaying the contents of the window at full screen without, you know, scroll bars or title title bars or anything like that. So it looks like it's full screen. You're still getting the benefit of it being a, a windowed application, meaning you can all tab in and out very cleanly. Like you, you can if you're in a like in a lot of games, if you have a UI menu up that gives you mouse a mouse cursor, you can just move it out of the window like a normal ass application. Yeah. Um. The problem is that there, again, this is a place where there used to be a performance hit for doing the borderless window thing. Yeah. Um, because in the exclusive full screen, the windows use in the old days, windows would just say, Hey, it, this is all you buddy. You got everything. You got the GPU, got the CPU, got, we're turning off the window manager. We're just going to let you do your stuff. And then if you wanted to say alt tab, it would minimize the game. The game would go away. Um, but it works differently yeah. now. Is yeah. the thing. And, and back in the day, this is less of a thing now that people game at their native monitor resolution more. But if you were running it in a different video mode, it would require like a whole monitor video mode switch when you tabbed in and out of the game, which was slow and clunky. It, it still does sometimes if you have a weird refresh rate monitor. Like my yeah. a lot of games don't know what to do with my monitor. Sure. And um, so then like if you're if your game's max refresh rate setting is 144 hertz, it'll just bump you down to 144 hertz on that monitor if you go in the exclusive full screen mode. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, like, like we said, borderless window avoids all those annoying issues, but, but yes, there, there is, or was a performance Delta at some point. So from, so, so from a, a survey, I went through and searched Reddit for people complaining about borderless window and extreme and exclusive full screen performance problems. And it seems like PUBG over the years has been a game. You should probably play an exclusive full screen. GTA five is a game that has a significant performance boost running in borderless. Huh. Um, it's it's 
it seemed all over the place on what's faster and what's slower in full screen or, or borderless. And of course it's important to note like the convenience of not having to like mode shift the monitor when you switch in and out of the game is, is substantial. So yes, um, I would just test on game by game basis for the games that you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will throw in, I've, I've had a lot better luck getting variable refresh to work reliably in full screen modes than with borderless. Like the NVIDIA control panel does let you turn on uh, variable refresh for, for windowed applications, but it seems a lot less reliable in my experience. Are you, uh, so I've had the, it's funny, I've had the opposite experience because usually it works pretty well. My desktop is always working in the variable refresh mode and it just, if the game works, then the desktop works when you're in borderless is, I mean, if the desktop works then the game works when you're in borderless in my experience. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, one other tidbit I threw in here and I, this actually, I got this from the discord a year or two ago. This was fascinating. I thought. Yeah. So this happened, I believe sometime after windows 10 came out, uh, Microsoft rolled out a feature and this is, this is a very under the hood thing. They call it full screen optimizations, which actually means, and I think there is a way to disable this, but it's on by default. It means that if you tell a game to run in full screen, it thinks it's running in full screen, but Windows actually is kind of intercepting it. And there's some kind of there's some kind of best of both worlds, like abstraction layer happening where it's like the game is doing what it would be doing in full screen. But they are still like Windows has still got some kind of compatibility layer where it's also making it easier to all tab in and out and stuff like that. Like the you can you can read this blog post I linked if you want to know more about the technical details. But the idea there is to try to kind of capture the best benefits of both modes. Yeah, the desktop window manager is the thing that handles rendering everything on the desktop generally, except for exclusive full screen apps. So the fact that they pulled this in, you you can disable this in the launch options in the compatibility tab for pretty much every executable on your uh, on your computer. Um, it's a, I think it is literally called full screen disable full screen optimizations. Okay, there we go. I've I've had really good luck with it though. I, I run most most all games in quote unquote full screen, but but with this under the hood, of course, and it's it's all worked pretty well for me. So do they still minimize when you alt tab out? Um, some of them do. Actually, that behavior is kind of unpredictable. Like some some a decent number of games still do minimize, but some of them do not. Because I'm often streaming and I don't necessarily want to show my desktop to everybody when I when I alt tab, I I I do. I do tend to use borderless window. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, you're doing you're doing a video output into a stream machine, right? Yeah, I'm not doing a uh, like I'm not I'm not I don't I don't use OBS to capture a window and then uh, broadcast it out someplace right. else anymore. I okay, used yeah, to do yeah. that, but it was a, just removing layers of hassle. It turns out is important for yeah. me. Yeah. Um. The the next one, the next big place where there's stuff that's confusing is post processing, uh, and usually people group these together in their display options often. Like I, so here's an interesting question for you, Brad, when you're looking at display options or get graphics options in a game, like I typically people put them in the same order. It's always like resolution at the top. And it seems like the preferred way, or maybe the scheme that people use is to put the stuff that's the highest impact toward the top and the sure. lowest impact toward the bottom in terms yeah. of performance. Yeah. I think, I think that is intuitive except for now that we have ray tracing stuff and that's always at the bottom. It's mm. like we've completely upended the the entire hierarchy. So, yeah. um, but post-processing stuff is all the stuff that happens after the scenes rendered. So you know, you've, you've drawn your polygons, you've applied textures to them. You've baked, you've applied your light maps. You've done all the, all the highlights and the, the reflectivity and all that stuff. And then you have this time to, to work inside the rendered scene. Um, and stuff like reflections and ambient occlusion, which we've talked about a little bit, depth of field usually comes in at this point. So you blur the stuff that's far away or or too close that's outside of your, the focal range of of the of the camera. 
um, bloom where you where you you know brighten up areas that have light sources. And anybody um, who played video games from let's say like two thousand two to six or seven. Oh, it was more than that, wasn't it? It was, um, I mean, it definitely kept going from there, yeah. but there was, there was a period like mid original Xbox with like fable and some stuff like that. Like light blooms were so overused. It was everywhere. I mean, it, like, it was the colored lighting of its time. Yeah. Um, the other, uh, let's see, bloom chromatic aberrations. That's, yeah. uh, people, it turns out very polarizing. Well, chromatic aberrations are one of the things that make people motion sick. More really? than anything else yeah really yeah we we um we had some early on we had some chromatic aberrations on some vfx in our game and we had to pull them because it was making people feel real bad wild I, I i wouldn't even associate that with motion because it's like a color separation thing it's 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 mimicking a, a lensing effect right like it's something if you have glasses of a certain or of a high enough prescription you'll it, yeah you'll like see it when you look off axis through them you get red and blue depending on which yeah. side of the lens you're looking like you, out you, you see the colors separating out a little bit that's what that is some some people just hate the way it looks also i, I find yeah it's um i'm trying to think i think control used a lot of chromatic aberrations oh hold on i was going to put something in there um the uh, color balance. So this is this is there, there's also post processing effects that are like uh, almost like film production stuff where you where you can change the tone mapping. You can change the color balance of a scene so you can make it go black and white. You can make it uh, be full color. You can only have certain colors be visible, stuff like that. Uh, vignetting, which is just kind of putting a frame around the edge of the screen like you would if you were on a, on a too narrow a lens for your sensor size on your camera. Um, TAA, temporal anti-aliasing, which is. Uh, does anti-aliasing between frames basically uh fxaa which is fast approximate this is another one where the x is the letter in the acronym is in the middle of the word which makes me crazy uh, uh smooths edges often that's used for things uh like fences and and narrow skinny stuff i uh, I, I never knew what the x stood for in that i'm glad i know now even I, even though even though it's a, even though it's an illegal abbreviation yeah there's crimes here uh and then uh, super sampling, which we talked about before, and film grain, which everybody should turn off immediately. Ah. I think motion blur fits in this, ca- this category, too, but I'm not 100% about that. It wasn't on the, on the list here. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, realizing I, that now. Look, man, film grain has its place. It can absolutely be overused. It has its place in film, but when you're watching a digital medium that's recorded digitally and rendered digitally, look, it's film grain is a, is, is a, uh, what was the bad word from the early days of the iPhone? Uh... You know, when you when you made your your uh, movie collection look like a, wa- a shelf. Oh, skeuomorphic skeuomorphic. Yeah. It's the most skeuomorphic. I guess I look, it's an aesthetic choice. OK, art direction. I guess, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever. I, I liked it. I liked it in Mass Effect. It looked good with those 70s lens flares. I turned it off immediately. Give me the lens flare, though. I love a lens flare. Lens flare is also a, a post uh, post processing. thing. So um, a lot of this stuff is is low impact, uh, like film grain. Uh, um, depth of field, um, tone mapping, color balance, all this. So mo- mo- a lot of these things you don't get access to. Chromatic aberrations, people let you turn off because some people hate them and some people make barf when you use them. Uh, bloom, often you can turn off. None of this stuff is super high impact except for SSAO and the anti-aliasing stuff. And all of those are basically supplanted by the ray tracing and or DLSS, uh, the the su- the, the MR, uh, ML super sampling stuff. Yeah. Um, HDR is another weird one. We, we did. God. I realized we forgot to put this on the main list. I, I kind of wish we had left it off. HDR is a mess in PC games. It's really all over the place. Like everybody implements it differently. Some people don't support it. Right. That, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to say is it, some, it's like, I often just turn it off. 
some give you too many options. Um, it's in the no stock. If people want to look it up, cyberpunk literally, well, I can't see all the options right now, but cyberpunk literally offers like two different HDR modes that use like terminology, like SRGB, something, something. And then I forget the other, you know what I mean? It's like, unless they, they, you really yeah, they, good, they let you pick the spec that you use, right? right? Like, unless you are a professional working in like color timing or something, you're going to have no idea what those things mean. And I couldn't tell the difference. Between. Oh, uh, speaking of color timing, that is another thing. If you use it, if you actually take the time to color calibrate your monitor and you let games use exclusive full screen, they won't use the color timing, the, oh. the color calibration profiles that you set up because oh, that runs through windows. So, oh. huh. uh, worth, worth knowing if you've bothered to color calibrate your monitors. Um, I, so I usually, what I'm going to say is don't use the auto HDR setting that's in windows. Cause it blows. Does it? I think it stinks. Huh. Some people, I have I've not spent a lot of time with it personally, but some, some people think, seem to think it works pretty well. I, I mean, I, I have had almost exclusively bad experiences with it. Um, on games that do support HDR and you take the time to do the calibration, like don't skip the calibration steps. If you're doing HDR, don't cheese the calibration steps where you, you know, cause Look, we've all done that thing where it's like, hey, adjust the gamma until you can barely see this darkest bit of the scene. Right. And then we're like, you know what? It's pretty cool when you're playing a multiplayer game to be able to see people hiding in oh, the shadows. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't do that with HDR because your stuff gets really washed out and yeah, janky and looks terrible. It's just going to make everything look blown out. Um, it's if you're going to a lot of games will actually ask you the max brightness of your monitor, which is a kind of insane thing to ask. Yeah. It's, I've, yes. I've noticed that trend of like they, they literally like ask you how many nits can your display do or something like most people are not going to know that. Well, I mean, you're going to want to go look up your monitor on the Internet to see right. what it does. Yeah. Because if you'd get that wrong, it'll make things look real bad, too. Like this is this is why it's messy. It's because there's no as far as I can tell, there's no good way for the monitor to say to Windows, hey, here's what I support. And Windows doesn't care enough to report that back to games. So it's up to us as players to know this stuff on a game by game basis, which is janky and bad. Another thing I should mention, I think I've got this right. Again, the stuff is pretty hard to figure out. I think you have to you have to have HDR enabled in Windows at the desktop level before you then go into a game and turn it on there. Right. Yeah, like, it has to be on on your monitor. It has to be on on Windows and it has to be on in the game. Right. Like you can't point is you can't leave HDR off at like, say, the Windows desktop and then just make a game force it on. It already has to be on in, in Windows. And a lot of people don't like the way that the desktop looks with HDR on me included, especially if you have like two non HDR monitors and one HDR monitor. Uh, there is a Windows shortcut for HDR to enable HDR. It's Windows key plus alt plus B turns on HDR and turns Windows it off. Alt B Windows, Windows alt B. B. Really, that one, if you're going to use HDR on your Windows PC, that one's a banger. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good. I will keep that in mind. So that's pretty close to the reset the uh, graphics driver entirely keyboard shortcut. What is that? Control alt B is B for graphics. I it's, guess it's, it's Windows control shift B for that one, which completely restarts the graphics driver. If you're having display issues, it's also, also a good one to know. Uh, last thing I should mention here. I think we talked about this a few months ago in some other contexts. Maybe it was when I bought my TV or something. Yeah, we talked about HDR. Uh, Windows 11 has a an HDR calibration tool now. Oh, really? You do have to go to the Microsoft Store and download <laughs> it. It doesn't just, it's not built into Windows 11 for whatever reason. Literally just called Windows HDR calibration. Uh, just go to the Microsoft Store and search for that. It's actually basically identical to the Xbox, like the Series X HDR calibration. So Series X and PS5 pretty much have this solved. I mean, of course they do because they're consoles. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a fixed platform, but, um, it mimics that where it's literally just three quick screens of like, adjust the brightness. So you can barely see this symbol now adjust it the other direction. Same thing. Like it takes 
two minutes. That's really good. So definitely do that in Windows 11 if you're uh, going to try using HDR in games. I wonder if it passes it forward to games or if that just sets the baseline for the monitor. So Alan Way 2 recommends that you do this. Okay. So, so okay. I think it, it is working with games in some direct way. Good to know. Hey, so the good news is we've done all the complicated stuff and all we have mm-hmm. left is ray tracing. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, it's just a fire and forget, right? Yeah. Ray tracing is really complicated, it turns out. Yeah. Um, it's, well, it's well for now, I guess, like theoretically, eventually it's just going to be the thing and it's going to be a well, I I mean, at some point in the future. Yeah. But like right now, the way people are implementing it in games, it seems like it's um, like everybody ch- picks and chooses the stuff that they want to apply ray tracing to. Yes. They're yes. pretty tactical about it. But with, with like with the exception of like cyberpunk, where everything's traced, traced to hell. Um, uh, you, you have to play it game by game, basically, is the upshot here. There's no common rules. Um, the hardware vendors are doing it typically a pretty good job of highlighting the work for flagship games. Yeah. Like I, I found this a great blog post about control on NVIDIA's blog where they highlighted the five things that control used ray tracing for, um, which is like floor, like reflections, environment reflections, like furniture reflecting onto, onto, onto the shiny concrete floors uh, white walls reflecting lights differently, stuff like that. Um, transparent reflections where you can see your character in glass windows, or if like there's a fight happening in a room with a bunch of glass, the 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 particles are reflected in the windows, which normally doesn't happen on on glass reflections when they're done by cube maps or or other pre-computed volumes. Um, indirect diffuse lighting, which is where the colored light bounces to nearby surfaces, so you get more than one bounce on the light maps, including dynamic so so typically with a light map you only see lights on non-dynamic objects so like if there's a enemy in a in a shadowy hallway the light won't necessarily like like the the light won't reflect onto them and in this case it would right like and in that case like the game developer on the rasterized situation is just using a different lighting technique to simulate that the light from the light map is hitting the the, the, the dynamic object, even though they're actually, it's a different technique under the hood. They're, they're, they're saying, Hey, you're standing inside a light map. Therefore we should reduce your lighting by this much. Right. 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 Um, but, but it also, it means that like a projectiles light won't necessarily impact on, on any, anyway. Yeah. yeah so, so that's, like, that's why like, if, if you've watched like me flip out a Quake 2 RTX on a stream a couple of years ago or whatever, and specifically at like, Oh my God, all the power ups are affected by the same lighting as everything else. Stuff like that. Yeah. That's why like that's, that's, that's where having a fully generalized unified lighting model makes, makes everything look really consistent and cool. It, well, and, but, and the the thing to know is that you're not replacing, like they're not, the ray trace stuff isn't replacing, um, isn't replacing nothing. It's replacing hacks that were less good, right? It's, it's, it's things that we did to make things look okay. But, and, and it's, it's kind of like, I, I use this example a lot, but it's kind of like video compression, right? Where, after you watch H uh, MPEG two MPEG two video for a long time, you don't see the blockiness of it anymore. After you watch H two sixty four compression for long enough, you don't notice the kind of glitches around the edges of things anymore. And and this is all stuff that as people who've been playing games for a long time, you probably don't even notice anymore until it's not there and it's yeah. working the way it does in the real world. Right. Um, uh, contact shadows was another good one. So if you think about how shadows on a thing like a chain link fence or like a thin metal rod or like a, like a, like a, like a, really fences are the classic example because there's a lot of vertical things aligned with each other and they often get stairs kind of stair stepped out of existence because the light maps are lower resolution than the world and, and the shadows don't look good as a result. Uh, these, these give fine detail shadows uh, that, that without having to do the kind of fine tuning, like basically you put, you put, 
a higher resolution. The way to fix this is to put higher resolution light maps in areas where these types of uh, things are, but that is incredibly time intensive and requires an artist going back over the levels again and again and again as things change. Um, so, so this just, it kind of happens automatically and it looks really nice. Um, it also means that like things are shadowed, like the inside of pipes and stuff like that are shadowed in a way that's appropriate, even when lighting in the world is changing. Uh, and then the last one is debris. So there's a couple of scenes in control where like monsters come in and just destroy the whole world around you. And it, what they're doing is essentially letting the things that are typically visual effects and particles that are, that don't, maybe don't look like particles cast shadows and reflect light and do things. And it looks bonkers when you see it in person. Yeah. Um, so, so, but the upshot on that is that the settings for control and the settings for Alan Wake and the settings for cyberpunk and the settings for Fortnite are all wildly different because their implementations of ray tracing are very highly specific to their games. Yeah. And limited in some cases, like you said, they kind of pick and choose which parts of the render pipeline are handled by ray yeah, tracing like, and which are traditional. Like call of duty has ray tracing, but they ray trace some shadows. And I think a couple of reflections, like reflections occasionally, but not like, not like world reflections. It's basically just, you see the players in, in puddles and glass and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to be, to be clear, the reason for that is that so far ray tracing has had an enormous performance cost. Like it's, it's not what a lot of people can, would consider comfortably playable depending on the kind of hardware you're on. Like we're just getting to the point now where hardware is fast enough and also software is improving enough. Like that's why it was such a big deal. Like marketing wise, like they made such a big push behind the cyberpunk path tracing mode. Yeah. Like path, path tracing in this context is a much more generalized. Hey, now we're using ray tracing for everything in the game. Yeah. So um, ray tracing traces out from the camera viewpoint to all the pixels in the scene and path tracing is the other way. It, it pat, bounces from light sources until it intersects with the camera. Right. Um, I can't remember which direction. I think they're still going from surface back. I think they're still working backwards, but we're, we're definitely not experts on that. I think it's tracing rays back from surface to camera instead of the other way around right but the race um, yeah yeah but, anyway uh, but but the upshot is there are way better algorithms coming out for like recasting and resampling and all that stuff like if you've seen some of the and i know this is a very nvidia heavy episode i mean they've been pushing retracing the hardest um rtx di i believe is the name of their package that they put out along with cyberpunk um that is incorporating a lot faster types of retracing processing um, so I think we're going to start seeing more games that use ray tracing in a much more general global way. Well, I, th I think the other thing that's going to happen is we're going to start seeing current gen console exclusives that utilize the ray tracing stuff more, more. Yeah. We're actually um, start like Spider-Man yeah. two was a surprising example of that, where there is no mode on the PS, even on the PS five, there is no mode that doesn't use ray tracing to yeah. some degree. Uh, and that carries over to console ports, of course. Um, so uh, path tracing, according to digital trends, uh, path tracing is ray tracing is more accurate. Path tracing is faster, can have some problems, but you can kind of work around the problems by, by applying some other, uh, clever solutions to them. Yeah. Uh, and that's why like quake Two RTX, the, that's why the games that have done full lighting model replacements have done path tracing for the most part. Um, the, uh, let's see, last thing I guess here. I, I'm trying to think. I feel oh, motion blur. We didn't talk about motion blur, Brad. No, people love motion blur. Do they? Well, do you remember a couple of years ago when when Digital Foundry did the thing that was like, hey, you know what? Forza Horizon looks as good at 30 frames a second with motion blur on as it does at 60 frames a second. Mm -hmm. People reacted pretty negatively to that, as I understand. Yes, yes, that is unsurprising. Yeah, 
Uh, I tried it. Did you try it? Did you turn it on? I did not. I was really shocked. Uh, that's what, how effective it was? I, I couldn't really tell the difference. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, let's see. Last couple of things. The latency reduction stuff like reflex and and uh, uh, anti-lag on the AMD side uh, are both really good. And if you have those supported in your games, it's worth turning them on, especially if you're using mouse and keyboard, because they do re- reduce the input to pixel latency quite a bit. Yeah. Is there actually I was going to ask earlier, is there any reason not to ever enable those? Nope. Is it just like a, if you run into problems, turn them off? Maybe uh, the boost setting can increase your power consumption on NVIDIA side for the okay. for the reflex plus boost, because it basically says, hey, don't make the GPU run it like keep this at the TDP if you have to, to, to hit this, to hit the, the, the frame rate goals. Um, I'm, I'm, my general advice is like turn off the frame generation for most stuff probably at this point, unless you're, unless it's like heavy ray tracing yeah. type content. Yeah. Again, cyberpunk there was the example where like even yeah. 40, even a 4090 could only run cyberpunk on the path tracing mode at 4k at like 30, basically about 30 FPS native. You, you can see in my, Alan Wake settings. I have DLSS. Uh, the I am using DLAA for the render resolution at, at my native 1080p, and I have frame generation on there. And yeah. I'm, I, you know, that was nice. It, it performed well. Yeah, Alan Wake is another one of the few games that's very heavy on ray tracing. But again, I think I think we're going to see a lot more of it in the next two three years. Well, and and also like both of those. I mean, Cyberpunk a little bit less so, but Alan Wake is a game where like your input latency doesn't really matter. Right. It's not like you, there's fast shooting sequences or you're basically walking around being a kind of grumpy old guy and doing cop stuff. So. Um, so, yeah, that's it. That's uh, that's settings. Do we miss anything else important? I don't think so. I mean, let's miss something. Absolutely. That's not. shocking. Yeah. But uh, please let us know if you thought this was useful or helpful. Oh, uh, gl- um, the other one is Unreal 5 stuff. Unreal 5 has a completely different pipeline for ray tracing than anybody else. So as we start to see Unreal 5 games, they will probably be a little bit more in common if they're using Nanite and Lumen and all that stuff. Right. Um, but it's a kind of hybrid CPU GPU solution. That's that's uh, um, I'm going to say it's not super well documented from a what this means for people uh, standpoint. If you're playing, say, Fortnite, which is a competitive game, probably I I turn all that stuff off. If you're playing something that is uh, not competitive and you want to look nice, turn it all on. Get crazy. Going all going right back to the days of Quake One when I had the three effects card and thought it was cool, and then I went back to the software mode because I got two hundred frames a second. I my the guy who ran the Linux lab that I've talked about I think in the past had had settings for Quake One with three D acceleration that basically turned the MIP levels all the way down. Oh yeah, oh that's a classic. So it was like yes. you, like like the health box was just like a a brown box with a red circle on it, basically mm-hmm. a fuzzy yep. red circle. Yeah, that's the classic for uh, competitive times. Good times. I don't think it really mattered all that much, Brad. Probably not. No, but um, but yeah, let us know. Uh, let us know if there's other settings. If there's other settings you you don't understand, you'd like to know more about. Uh, we will track them down, post, uh, post it, send us an email at techpod uh, at content.town or in the question seeking answers channel in the discord. And we'll, we'll, we will, we will drill down and figure it out. And if we don't know the answer, we'll call NVIDIA and AMD and ask them to please help us that's right. answer your questions. Uh, but I think that's it for us this week, Brad. Yeah. Uh, as always, Brad and Will made a tech pod is a 100% listener supported show. Without you all, we wouldn't be here. So thank you uh, to all of our patrons for supporting the show. Yes, thank you. If you would like to find out how to support Brad Wilmette TechPod, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash techpod. Again, you can go to patreon.com slash techpod. 
And for five bucks a month, you get access to the fabulous TechBot Discord, our monthly patron exclusive episodes. And uh, and and you get to know that like we get to continue making a podcast, so that's yeah. that's really good too. Yes, that helps. That's that's cool. Yeah, we I like right now in between. I'm gonna go and tell you having a little bit of income while I'm in between uh, and kind of talking to people about jobs. It's comforting to know that this is there. It helps helps a lot. So we really yes. appreciate it. I've also had that thought about this podcast. Thank you to everyone who keeps it going. Um, uh, also, also you get to be on the Discord and. For example, when you're trying to continuity test an HDMI cable and want to get some advice about a, a better way to do that, that's a good place to ask questions like that. Oh, it seems like you're ripped from the headlines kind of uh, oh. example there, Brad. Yeah. So, you know, uh, there's guaranteed if it's if it's technical in nature, somebody's going to have some idea about it there. I've uh, I've enjoyed uh, the conversations about the last patron episode where we talked about um, vertical monitors and everybody's been sharing pictures of their vertical monitors, their ultra wide oh, no. vertical monitors. Oh, no, I hadn't seen that. Um, oh, and, I have to see that. And we also got into the B-Links, uh, B-Link versus how to wake on LAN a B-Link and how to how to do a remote start on a B-Link, which I've been curious about because it's a it's a it's a it's a situation of concern to me. Does that thing have an accessible BIOS or UEFI? It's a God. little thin, Brad. UEFI. It's a bad. Who the hell thought? BIOS. UFI. BIOS. Listen to that. Just listen to it. BIOS? UFI. BIOS. UFI. UFI? UFI. UEFI. UEFI. UFI. I can't even say it three times. UFI. 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 Say UFI. BIOS. I'm just going to keep saying BIOS. Anyway, it's uh, patreon.com slash checkpod. We really appreciate the support. And we especially appreciate our executive producer tier patrons, including Paddle Creek Games, makers of Fractured Veil, Andrew Slosky, Jordan Lippett, Bunny Fiend, comma, the Just Wedge, Joel Krauska, Twinkle Twinkie, David Allen, James Kamek, and Pantheon, makers of the HS3 high-speed 3D printer. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. Yes, we do. And with that, we will be back next week with another edition of the TechPod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you have a productive and lovely week. Bye.